After steadily trending downward for many years, the population of incarcerated people at Rikers Island is once again rising, even though the majority of detainees have not had a trial. This is in due part to the role of law and order judges and the politicians who help them rise through the judicial ranks. Joining us to talk about this writer, about this, is writer and researcher Matt Thomas. He is the author of the Vulgar Marxist Substack and a keen observer of the workings of the judicial machinery here in New York. Matt, welcome to WBAI Radio. Thank you for having me. Sure, Matt. Yeah, we're delighted to have you back. Uh, you joined us uh, once before during the uh, the primary campaign and went you had just started your Substack, and you had a really groundbreaking report on Diane Morales and her ties with the charter school industry. And now you've published an in-depth piece last week about Rhonda Tomlinson, an administrative judge at Rikers Island, who recently won a big promotion with the help or at least the acquiescence of progressive state senators in Albany. Uh, can you talk about who Tomlinson is, her role in filling jail cells at Rikers and the promotion she has received and who her main benefactor was. <clears throat> yeah. So um, the guest that you just had on um, Nicholas or the family of, of Nicholas, who was um, uh, incarcerated on Rikers and attempted suicide while incarcerated there, he was incarcerated on a technical parole violation. Um, and so when uh, people are released on under community supervision, um, if they are accused of violating the terms of their parole, um, they are entitled to go before what's called an administrative law judge, which is an employee of the Department of Corrections, um, who will make a determination as to whether or not they violated the terms of their parole, and if they did, whether or not they should be reincarcerated. And there's a bunch of ALJs, um, but they are supervised by the chief ALJ at Rikers, um, the chief administrative law judge. Um, and so the Rhonda Tomlinson was the chief administrative law judge on Mike, on Rikers Island beginning in 2017 um, and was remained in that role until uh, June of this year. Um, and she had a, quite a disturbing tenure um, as chief ALJ. Um, she pressured uh, the other judges under her supervision um, to revoke parole early and often when people were brought before them accused of violating the terms of their parole. Um, she heavily pressured individual ALJs um, to revoke parole in particular cases. Um, she established a situation where if an ALJ um, wanted to uh, not reincarcerate somebody, wanted to let them go, they had to ask permission from her first and sort of plead their case. By contrast, they did not have to ask her permission to reincarcerate somebody. Um, this was uh, all revealed in an investigation by Gothamist in March of 2019. I really encourage people to go read that article. It's extremely disturbing. Um, but uh, yeah, so she really presided over this regime of uh, reincarcerating as many people as possible on technical violations. So many people were being locked up that it it started to skew the city's timeline for being able to close Rikers um, along the timeline it had set for itself. Um, and uh, they spoke with a number of people um, in uh, public defenders, uh, people who represented clients accused of violating their parole, who all spoke to the um, climate of fear and a punitive action that she really presided over uh, as the chief executive of the of the parole system on Rikers. And can you talk about some of her reasons for um, 
for taking those actions on parole and uh, beyond ideological reasons, why might um, a judge be strict with their sentencing? Um, I think that uh, it is difficult to speak to any one judge's motivations, but in more recent reporting that's been done by Gothamist again, but also in conjunction with New York Focus, um, they've spoken with a number of people who sort of you know, intuited and and spoken to the fact that a lot of their motivations are political, um, whether it is um, judges revoking parole, ALJs revoking parole on Rikers or judges who are hearing arraignments um, about people being prosecuted for the first time. Um, there's a concern that if they hurt someone or if um, they do something that gets in the news that the, that judge is going to come in for bad publicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be... Um, uh, not advantageous for their careers and their professional advancement. Um, and so it's political really. And, and uh, the recent reporting that's been done by Gothamist in New York focus and analysis of arraignment proceedings um, in 2020 showed that, you know, when bail reform was first passed at the end of 2019 um in the beginning of 2020, judges were, you know, complying with the terms of the, the new bail laws at arraignments. Um, but as, you know, the, the, the media narrative around the so-called crime wave, which was overblown in some ways, but also there was a legitimate rise in, in violent crime and, and murders in the city and shootings. Um, as that started to get more media coverage, the judges started to... Uh, set more stringent terms for for bail um, and and incarcerate people pre-trial. Now, this is a different set of judges than the um, the ones that determine whether or not parole will be revoked, um, but they are all responding to the same sets of incentives, which is, you know, the media narrative, um, the pressure to be tough on crime, and the knowledge that if they want professional advancement from wherever they are, um, they're going to need to toe a, cer- a certain line um, because of the power of the county mis- county-based machines and of the Albany establishment in determining whether or not that they will be promoted and and be able to advance in their careers. Right. And, and speaking of promotion, uh, can you describe uh, the the new position that uh, uh, Rhonda, Rhonda Tomlinson um, is moving up to and the way she uh, managed to glide pretty effortlessly to confirmation in the state Senate in Albany? Despite this uh, disturbing history of hers, it's quite shocking. Um, so yeah, so she, you know, she presided over this situation on Rutgers, which was quite bad for four years. A report from uh, March of 2020 from Columbia University found that Black New York City residents were being reincarcerated for parole violations at a rate that was 12 times as as often as uh, white New Yorkers, uh, Hispanics four times as often as white New Yorkers. And, and Tomlinson is black herself she's a black woman yes yes um and so uh yeah so you know she amasses this legacy but then is nominated in in may of uh 2021 earlier this year by andrew cuomo for a spot on the court of claims this is the division of the judiciary that hears civil litigation against new york state uh for for if, if people want to sue the state for something but she was also to be designated as an acting judge on the new york supreme court um, this is the name given to the division of the judiciary that houses trial judges for different civil and criminal matters. It's not like, you know, one Supreme Court. Um, as Supreme Court judges are, handle a variety of different matters, but that includes uh, criminal trials. And so um, 
she was going to be in a position where she would be in a, a position of power over criminal defendants after having amassed this record of a very punitive attitude towards towards people in the uh, carceral system. Uh, and it was so shocking is that there was absolutely no scrutiny of her, um, barely any coverage of her nomination. I mean, Cuomo uh, pushed through quite a few nominees at the end of session in June of this year um, for judgeships as well as different executive appointments. Um, and, you know, as is typical, uh, unfortunately, in Albany, you know, they stuff a bunch of this, um, you know, down the pipe at the end of session, very little scrutiny. And, uh, you know, advocates have faced a lot of tough choices about what fights they want to pick and and what they want to highlight. And so Cuomo had also tapped an extreme uh, right-wing judge for a spot on the Court of Appeals, which is the top court in New York State by the name of Madeline Singus. She was the district attorney in Nassau County. Um, and there was a huge effort made to try and stop her. Um, and so I think that, you know, I don't blame the advocates for picking one, you know, villain, uh, the most the one that was going to be given the most power and sort of trying to stop her. Um, but for that reason, you know, there was just not the capacity um, to fight every battle. And uh, yeah, so there was no, I mean, it's, it's shocking because you can just Google her and then read about her record. Um, but there was no media coverage about the fact that she was being nominated or, or given this promotion and would be in a position of power over criminal defendants. No, no connection to to her past history, was uh, was brought up in the press, and um, she gl- she glided through. And uh, you mentioned, you know, so who who was responsible for this? So, in her confirm- uh, confirmation hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee, um, only one member of the committee questioned her about this stuff, which is State Senator Alessandro Biaggi, who represents Rikers Island in the State Senate. Um, and to her credit, I mean, nobody was watching this. So, like I said, there was no scrutiny in the press. Advocates were not pushing for this, um, but she looked into her and she provided real scrutiny and asked her about some of these stuff. And, you know, Tomlinson dismissed it um, because she knew that it was a done deal. Um, but so Biagi gave her that scrutiny and Gustavo Rivera, State Senator Gustavo Rivera from the Bronx, also mentioned some of this history um, where, when he cast his vote on the floor of the Senate. But her chief benefactor was State Senator Zelnor Myrie of Central Brooklyn. Uh, uh, Tomlinson is a constituent of Myrie's, and he is also a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he spoke glowingly of her, um, talked about how important it was to have Black women on the judiciary, uh, for for, for us to have a diverse pool of judges, bringing their lived experience to the bench, um, and talked about what an achievement that would be, um, you know, is it's Orwellian uh, to to hear that about somebody who fueled a crisis which locked up 12 times as many Black people as white people on technical parole violations in this prison camp that we have floating in the East River. Um, But there was no scrutiny of that either. And so it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, people who posture as progressives and position themselves as progressives are able to... Uh, throw their support to, you know, these right-wing judges with very little public pushback. Yeah, it certainly is disappointing. Uh, We'll have to leave it there uh, for now, but uh, Matt Thomas, uh, author of the the Vulgar Marxist uh, Substack, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And this is a story we'll continue to follow, and we encourage everyone to uh, follow 
uh, your Substack, and you're also very active on Twitter. You're doing a, a lot of great work, and um, we're really glad that you could uh, t- talk about it a little bit with us tonight. I appreciate it, John and Emma. Thank you both. Okay. Thank you. All right. We'll be back with more after this short break. Yeah. 